People say this is hard work, but it's really heart's work. You got to have a passion for this. Like, this is not a warehouse. This is a care house. Like, if you don't care, you can stay flipping them boxes or stay waiting them tables. Like, you got to come in here and you got to have a heart for this work. The last thing we need is people to come in and be another revolving door for these kids. You got to actually care. These are the people who needs us the most and trust us the least. You have to uh, get down to their level at times. Like, when I first ran across kids who did not like sports, I had to find myself like, how do you not like sports? You know, and so now I listen to country music because I had a kid who said, hey, if you want to be in a relationship with me, you got to listen to Toby Keith. And I learned every Toby Keith song that came out on Honky Tonk University. And so, Hey, everybody. Welcome to Stronger Than You Think, a podcast by Youth Villages. And I'm your host, Sam Coates. In each episode, you'll hear a story of passion and resilience from an employee of Youth Villages, one of the top children's behavioral and mental health organizations in the country. Children with emotional and behavioral challenges and their families face unimaginably difficult circumstances, and it takes a committed, well-trained, and supported person to show up for these children and youth every day to help them find their path to well-being. Join us to hear from individuals as those on the front lines of this work as they talk about their career journeys and how their own personal experiences fuel their passion, making a difference every day. Our guest today is Carl Davis. After growing up in North Memphis and seeing the pain and struggle that many in his community experienced, Carl went off to college, returned to Memphis, and started working as a waiter and eventually made his way to Youth Villages. Carl talks about how his childhood experiences have driven him to want to serve and help the community he still loves and lives in today. As Carl says, you can either be a part of the problem or be a part of the solution. After many years in various leadership roles in Youth Villages residential programs, Carl is now the Director of Operations with the organization's newest initiative, Memphis Allies. Before we get going, at Youth Villages, as you know, there's several different programs that each guest may reference. Youth Villages launched Memphis Allies, an initiative designed to bring together community groups and resources to reduce gun violence and homicides so that children and families in our city can thrive. Memphis Allies will work with more than 2,000 youth and adults at the highest risk of committing or being victims of gun violence. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Carl, great to see you. Great to be here, brother. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Yes, sir. Memphis Allies seems to be the most recent and very significant initiative for Mm -hmm. Youth Villages. I read that you started here in 2008. Mm -hmm. You've had a lot of responsibilities, and now you're Director of Operations for Memphis Allies. Can you say maybe how that happened? I would say just hard work and consistency. Um, I think coming to Youth Villages back in 2008, it was not my career of choice at the time. You know, I was a mass communication major coming out of school. I was waiting tables at Logan's Roadhouse. Oh, wow. And um, a friend of mine worked at at Youth Villages, and she came in there and asked me, why am I still waiting tables? We (laughs) just graduated. Um, This was about eight eight months after graduation. And she said, you're great with kids. Why don't you come work with kids? And I'm like, "Ah, I've heard about Youth Villages. (laughs) I'm not sure I want to do that. 
And uh, long story short, I interviewed, and here I am 14 years later. And um, I fell in love with it. I thought I was going to just do it for a few months until I found something in my uh, career path. But just fell in love with what the mission of Youth Villages and uh, just worked hard and, and was consistent. So um, here I am. You must have heard some pretty bad things if you want to be at Logan's uh, and deal with peanuts all the time. Yeah. I've, uh, well, I had family members who lived in Bartlett, and I heard about kids, you know, running away and, and things from, from the facility. And so um, I actually had a, a high school classmate that uh, was sent to Youth Villages at one point. And so um, he was a pretty bad guy in high school, and I didn't, you know, so I, I didn't think I wanted to work here, but uh, I, I wouldn't imagine working anywhere else right now. You kind of heard the worst of the worst. Oh, yeah. So it kind of tainted your perspective. Yes, sir. So you didn't really want to come here, but you did. Yeah, I, th- I thought I'd do it for a few months, you know, um, till I was a mass communication major, so I wanted to do radio and television. Yeah. Um, and so I thought I would, you know, do something in that field. It, it was a kid uh, when I started off as an overnight teacher counselor, um, and it was, I was about four months in, and uh, he was my first new admit coming into the program. And so, you know, all of the other guys had been there before, you know, I got hired. And so my first new admit came, and, you know, I saw him on his first day, and to see him about eight months later, and just to see his the trajectory of his life change, you know, that's what kind of, you know, kept me around. So early on, within that first year that you had, you saw this person's life get transformed. Oh yeah, he came. He, he, he was. He was. He came in the door hard. Like he. He was everything that they said youth villages kids were. He. He was that. And so um, we just built a rapport like none other. Like I. I, I kind of cling to him. Just. Um, I, I tend to cling with the with the hardcore kids. Um, I just. I, I can see some of myself and some of my upbringing in some of these kids. And so. Just to see his day one until eight months down the road and, and just see the change in him, it made me want to do this for a long time. You don't exactly have a soft presence when you walk in the room or, mm-hmm. you know, when you open the door. What makes you like the hard kids, relate to the hard kids, but then also love the hard kids? I can see myself in, in, in a lot of the kids. Um I, I come from some of these same backgrounds that these kids come from, like and when I read their stories, because, you know, they come in with admission paperwork and I have to read their background. And I was like, man, this could have been me. You know what I'm saying? Like 14 years ago, it, it definitely could have been me um, just experience some of the things that they experienced. And so I, I want to give them some of that love and, and some of the stuff that I needed growing up that I didn't have. And that's that's what makes me want to, you know, love on them. Why wasn't it you? Um, I, I did not, let's see, I did not have to touch the fire to see that it was hot. I let my friends and my family members touch the fire. And if it was hot, then it was hot. Like I took their word for it. So a lot of the stuff that I could have got into, I didn't get into because I saw the effects that it had on my siblings. I saw the effects that it had on some of my classmates. And so, um, I just chose to go down another path. So you could read people, you could read situations, you could read the room. From an early age. Absolutely. It was some things that I was exposed to um, just growing up. And, you know, so when I'm reading a, a psychosocial of some of our kids and reading that, you know, their parents were drug addicts or alcoholics and, and they experienced domestic violence and they witnessed this, I'm looking at my own story. You know what I'm saying? So this is the same exact stuff that I experienced growing up and I, I just wanted better. And so I looked for different influences in the community, such as my, my basketball coach. 
and such as, you know, I'm bald-headed now, but I did have hair once in a day. So my barber was a huge influence on me as well. And so um, those are the men that I looked up to. And so I wanted to be all of those men in one for the kids that I was serving. But you just made a conscious choice. I mean, was it through your own willpower or— it, it, was. it sounds very mature. No, it, it was. I, I wanted to. I, I wanted to be different. Like I'm. I'm the youngest of four four kids. I'm the first one to ever graduate. Like all of my siblings, uh, you know, dropped out. All of them have been incarcerated at some point in their life, and I just wanted different, you know. And so I, I just made that decision to, you know, be the be the change in, in my family and in my community. Was it lonely to feel like you were paving a new path? At, at times, but I was still in the midst of other people like sports kept me engaged with guys who, you know, kind of strayed off, but we had discipline on the field or on, on the court. And so it kind of helped helped with, um, you know, the discipline in those areas. But when they wanted to do other things outside of sports, then I, you know, I kind of, you know, went to myself or, um, you know, hit the books and things of that nature. So you just saw it, you had relationships with these people your age, the people you played sports with, but still you just had the restraint to not go down certain roads. Oh yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't want the outcomes that they were getting. Uh, like I said, I seen my siblings drop out of school and have to get jobs and, and, and work night and day and 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 come in oily and dirty. And I was like, no, I'm going to school. Like, it's too hot outside to be working outside. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to have an office job and I'm not coming in sweaty and nasty like that. And so, and I saw some of my high school classmates, you know, uh, get locked up at an early age. And like, I, that, that just wasn't for me. And so I chose, chose another pair. There was somebody I was with this morning and he talked about being lonely, depressed. His mother passed away. Mm when he was 17, and he tried to end his life, and now he's here, and he got help, studied psychology, University of Memphis, started out in corporate America, came back to Youth Villages, and he is trying to continue to help people that were like him, Mm. that were lonely, and that didn't have anybody to reach out to. So it's interesting for me to hear the different stories of each person that I'm with, and here, the influence has grown up. But it's really interesting, in addition to his, but here in yours, where it sounds like you didn't really have anybody except for your coaches, but you had a strong enough personality and belief in yourself that that guided you when a lot was going on around you. And I think that upbringing kind of helps me at Youth Villages, and, and um, especially starting off with the why I uh, you know, find myself clinging to the hardcore kids because um, it made me find the good in people, you know, um, like even though, like I said, my both of my parents were, I'm talking about real deal alcoholics and real deal drug addicts, but they were still my mom and dad, you know what I'm saying? No matter what they did, you know, how many times the police were showing up at my house, they was my mom and dad, you know what I'm saying? And so all of the ugly I saw, I still saw love in them, you know what I'm saying? And so that helps me no matter what ugly that I see at Youth Villages, I still see the love in, in some of these kids. And so um, it, it helps me, you know, see the, see the good in, in people. Did you see the good in them even during those times? Absolutely. Um, and, and it was crazy because um, as, as a young child, I, I didn't like the domestic violence was, you know, that was a little different. But as far as the, the drugs and stuff, like I, I thought it was cool because, 
you know, they would lock themselves in in the room and go on a smoking binge for the entire weekend. And here I am, I, you know, I got it made. I'm a 12-year-old kid and have no supervision right now. So I can yeah. invite people over and, you know, we can <laughs> stay up all night. So it was cool. You know what I'm saying? So um, later I found out that, you know, what, what they were doing and, and things of that nature. But like my parents always kind of took care of me, you know, like I never went without. I can't remember a time I didn't have a roof over my head or, you know, food on the table. And, and like it might not have been steaks, but I was eating, you know what I'm saying? And so even though they were doing what they were doing and had their flaws, like I, I never felt unloved. Was there a point with your time at Youth Villages where your work with the kids that you serve and love, where their own story made you think about and where everything else that you had gone through all caught up with you? Absolutely. So like I said, just reading stories and and seeing the different effects that it has on people. Like, I, that's why, you know, I, I consider myself strong because the same situation that I was in, it had a different type of effect on, on other kids. Like, um, and, and not not just the kids at Youth Villages, but different kids in in my community. So they were they were raised in the same environments, you know, parents doing this, siblings dropping out, and but you still have to, you know, have something within you that you know kind of pushes you pushes you another way. And yeah. so I just didn't know because of the work day in day out, like if at any point it ever just got overwhelming. Um, I w- I wouldn't say overwhelming. It, it made me try harder. Uh, when when I can relate to a kid to the degree um, that I see myself in them, like, and, and they went down another road, like, you know, we all have choices. You know, I chose to go down this road. Their their environment, you know, kind of not forced them, but they chose to go down another road. So it made me try harder um, and, and try to be, you know, we can't be too transparent with the kids and, like, tell them our backgrounds and things of that nature, but, you know, I, I do try to be as relatable as I can and, and let them know they do have a way out, you know. And so um, I wouldn't say it has been overwhelming at times. It, 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 do, it does want me to try harder to have an impact. And it hurts when, you know, you want something more than the kids. Like some of them don't want a way out right now. So that, you know, that can have an impact on you when you, when you, when you want them to change more than they want to change. When did you first learn that? Like, doesn't matter how hard you try, if somebody doesn't want it for themselves, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, I learned it early on, but it, it, it when I when I got in leadership positions, and <laughs> I tell people all the time, like working with the kids easy is working with the grown people that you know your staff members that gives you more headaches than the kids, and so. I actually learned that through doing a developmental plan. Like we we were going through it with with the staff members and and you know, I, I wanted it more than the staff. And so I tried to relate that back to the kids, like how how they keep pushing the kids to do better, do better. But I'm trying to do the same thing with you. And you know what I'm saying? I can't want it more than you though. What advice can you share? Let's say somebody that just graduated college, they might be, you know, working in a in a warehouse, they might be waiting tables. They might not know exactly what they want to do, but they also know that it's a pivotal point in their life. And they, you know, they, the feeling of a career responsibility starts to fully kick in. Mm. To find something that you can be focused on, that you can have fun doing, that you can feel fulfillment. How does somebody find that? Mm. It, it, it's got to be in you for sure. People say this is hard work, but it's really heart's work. Like, it, this, you got to have a passion for this. Like, this is not a warehouse. This is a care house. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't care, 
you can stay stay flipping them boxes or stay waiting them tables. Like you you got to come in here and you got to have a heart for this work. You know what I'm saying? Like we the last thing we need is people to come in and you know be another revolving door for these kids. You know what I'm saying? Like you you got to actually care. These are the people who needs us the most and trust us the least. You know what I'm saying? And so you you have to be able to um, work around that. You know, you, you, you're you not going to be able to have that impact on the first day or the first week. Um, it's going to take time to build a, a re- relationship and a rapport with these kids. And so you have to be consistent. Like consistency is everything because everybody can do good for a short amount of time and everybody can show you love for a short amount of time. But can you show love when the other person ain't showing love back to you? Because sometimes these kids not going to show you love back. You have to uh, get down to their level at times. Like I when I first ran across kids who did not like sports, I had to find myself like, how do you not like sports? <laughs> you know, and so now I listen to country music because I had a kid <laughs> who said, hey, if you want to be in a relationship with me, you got to listen to Toby Keith. And I learned every Toby Keith song that came out on Honky Tonk University. And so um, you, you have to be able to change to, um, you know, fit their style and, and, and just get out of your own way because your own way ain't always right. Relationships, can you maybe unpack a little bit what you've learned before Memphis Allies about how to actually build relationships where there's trust? Is it simply just loving somebody, working the process, being consistent, or is there more to it that you've learned that's really helped you? Yeah, um, I I think that's spot on, Um, just being consistent because, like I said, it's going to take— you know, it's going to be different depending on on who it is, you know. And so every relationship is going to be different. Like, and you can't, um, we say it all the time. I know parents say you can't have favorite kids and, and staff members say you can't have favorite kids. So you have to love everyone equally, but you just have different relationships with them. So, like I said, I had to learn country music. I had to learn how to play I forget the card game, but it it it, it, was, it was some mm-hmm. card game. I'm like, what is this? This doesn't even make sense. But it's just it's different things. Like you have to you have to be willing to transform and, and to build a relationship. Like people are so so um, used to birds of a feather flocking together, but all the time, you know, especially when it comes to these kids, we're from different environments. Um, we had different upbringings, and so you, you're not gonna always flock together. So you, it takes humility, absolutely, because you have to put the other person. In front of yourself Absolutely. and care about what they care about, and they're not going to listen to you until Absolutely. they know it. For sure. How do you see this playing out now that you're at Memphis Allies? Mm. Well, Memphis Allies is a different beast of its own. It's a, a very serious work. We have a bold goal of reducing gun violence in the city of Memphis. 30% by four years, right? Absolutely. And it, it, it means the world to me. Like, when I first heard about Memphis Allies, and because uh, people who know me know I loved what I was doing in residential. Like I, I absolutely loved my job, and it was gonna take it was gonna take something great for me to leave. And when I was introduced to Memphis Allies, I found that something great um, because it's just uh, it's detrimental in the city right now when it comes to come to gun violence. And, and being a person who has you know lost friends and, and, and uh, associates and former teammates to gun violence, you know it makes me wanna do this work. Like, as I said, seeing myself in the kids' shoes when I was in residential, you know, it made me want to try harder. But losing someone to gun violence, uh, you know, I've been to 11 funerals um, as a result of gun violence in, in my entire life. And so just being being impacted and affected that much 
uh, uh, about gun violence makes me want to, you know, do what I can do to. In a sentence or two, what has to be done to reduce gun violence by 30 percent in four Mm. years? Well, you got to have consistency. Um, Like I, I don't think the formula doesn't change. You know, you have to be relatable and you have to have consistency. Um, It's just with a different population. And so um, with our model in Memphis Allies, that's one thing we are uh, hanging our hat on is being able to relate to the guys who are, you know, doing this gun violence in the city and and causing all of this hurt. Um, We are hiring former people who were affiliated with gun violence. And and so they, they have made a change in their lives. And the only way we're going to have the impact on, on the people who's doing it now is to be relatable and consistent with them as well. And what do you think by hiring people that are relatable because they've been there themselves, mm-hmm. what are the needs that those people have that can be met by the people that have been there to help actually achieve what Memphis Allies is going to do? They, well, first they need to open eye to the resources that are available. And that's one thing that we are providing is different resources and different avenues. A lot of the gun violence that's committed in the city, you know, it is from disagreements that happened before some of these people committing the uh, gun violence were even born. You know, they, they're going back with neighborhood rivalries and gang rivalries from 20 years ago, you know. And so um, just an open eye and a different avenue and, and seeing that change in other people. You know, being being able to see that transition from our staff. Tuesday, I was speaking with a woman here from Youth Villages, and she says she also was a hostage negotiator after graduating mm. from Law Enforcement Academy. But she said several things that you have to do. But one of the things that she said, you have to be courageous mm. because you're going in where you're not always welcome. And thinking about you, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about the other people you're talking about hiring. What gives you courage or boldness when you voluntarily put yourself in some situations that are uh, dicey, unsafe, in situations where a lot of other people wouldn't want to go. Just tired of it. Uh, just Honestly, just being tired of it. Like, it, we, either, we either can be part of the problem or we can be part of the solution. So I can go home at night and watch the news and just keep shaking my head, or I can see what I can do to do something about it. And so I, I choose to... Um, be on the other end and do something about it. Like, I, I mean, I see the news, I read the newspaper, so I see the numbers going up. And But sitting at home and talking about it over dinner, uh, that's not going to get a solution. You know what I'm saying? So I, I prefer to, you know, get get around like-minded individuals who's bold enough to go out there and uh, see see if we can uh, demand change. And so— And these I mean, are your people. This yeah. is your community. Absolutely. So you feel like it's worth putting everything on the line for. Is Absolutely. that what you're saying? Absolutely. I mean, I can't I can't run from it. I come from it. You know what I'm saying? So I, it, it, I, I, li- I live in that same neighborhood now. Like right now, Memphis Allies, we're serving the Raleigh Frazier community. And so I, it's not like I'm riding out of my community to get gas or go to the grocery store. or do a, Like I'm still living in this community. Like I'm stopping at these same gas stations that this gun violence is occurring at. And so— uh, can't run from it if I'm in it, you know. What kind of respect can you or someone else like you have by never leaving your community and then having your career, living your life, but then staying committed to it? It's monumental. Like, it, it, it goes a long way. And it's one thing that keep, keeps me in, in the community. Like, I, I've always wanted to be that pillar that, that kids can see. Like, even when I, 
you know, started working and and got first got my job at Youth Villages. I went and got uh, you know, the twenty inch rims on my car and all of that because I wanted the kids to see that you don't have to sell drugs or you don't have to go to the NBA to be able to do this stuff that y'all idolizing on TV. Like I, I wanted to be that pillar for them to see that you can do stuff the right way and still have what these same guys that's doing the wrong things have. And so um, like I, I grew up now, so I don't have that foolishness on my car now. But um, being able to, you know, still be in my community and, and um, you know, have worked my way up in a company is monumental to the kids, you know, that I'm around every day. I hope I can ask this. And if it's not appropriate, then we'll cut it out. But you can ask me anything you want to, brother. Are your parents still alive? They are. Are they proud of you? They are uh, 100% proud of me. Like, I don't know anyone in the world more proud of me than uh, both of my, well, my mom, for sure. Uh, and, you know, both of them have uh, made a huge change in their life. You know, they're- Really? Yeah, yeah. They are sober. Sober. Uh, yeah, they've been, my mom been clean for, who? I don't even know how long. Uh, so- she, uh, both of them are, are are sober and just super proud, and uh, and I'm proud of them as well. So your life, your choices, changed their life. I would I would like to think so. Um, I, I would like to think so. I think just growing up and and you know when I went out to school and came back, some some things were were different with with them. Um, they're not, so they're not together. But both of them are, are doing, you know, pretty well um, by themselves. But I, I would like to think that, you know, I had some type of impact on them. I've been very encouraged as you've been talking about love and finding the good in people. Mm. My father was an alcoholic, and I wish <laughs> I looked for the good the way that you do mm. and the way that you did. And, you know, we have a good relationship now. But if I'm being honest, there was a lot of resentment for a long time. Mm. And— uh I really respect how you're able to go through what you did with both parents, but still have love for them. And then mm. as a result, you've done what you've done. And then they came around. That's a pretty incredible example. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was definitely tough. Like that, that, was, the, that was probably the toughest, um, not, not only with their addictions, but seeing, seeing the, the woman that you love the most hurt by the man that you're supposed to love the most. You know what I'm saying? So that that was, and, and still finding ways to love on them in spite of that, that, that was definitely tough. But I think, to go back to your last question, I think me showing them that love despite their flaws, you know, kind of helped them out of their situations that, that they were in. So, What can you say about coming here 14 years ago <laughs> and now you've got your MBA? Mm your director of operations, it seems that all these experiences coming to this point now, I mean, even just the short time I've been with you, there seems to be like a, the dots have connected mm-hmm. even up to now. But from a, from a career standpoint, from a organizational standpoint, and the opportunity that you've had in Youth Villages, what can you say to somebody that's out there about if they do care about this work and if they're meant for this work, why it would be beneficial for them to at least consider coming to a place that performs very well, mm-hmm. set up the way it is, but then also has this internal sense of opportunity in development. <laughs> I recommend Youth Villages to anyone every day, all day. Like this, um, it's it's hard to do this work. Um, you can't pour into other people if you're not getting poured into. 
And so one thing about Youth Villages that has stood out for me uh, from the beginning was the um, the way that you get poured into, like the opportunities for training and development and, and just growth opportunities. We're always expanding, um, such as this new initiative. Like we always find programs that, you know, help bridge the gap. And so if you're not good in one area, like we will find a place where you you can be good at and develop you too. Um, you know, get to where you're trying to go. And so the development is through the roof at Youth Villages. Um, the environment, um, like most of my friends work at Youth Villages, probably because I spent 60-hour work weeks with them back when I was <laughs> in residential. But my, the people that, you know, I, I associate with the most are, are my coworkers. And, and so um, just the family atmosphere and, and, the, and the development is what kind of has kept me um, throughout the years at Youth Villages. So, you know, and, and when you're trying to get into a career field, especially in, in a field such as uh, social work, you like I said, you can't pour into people without getting poured into. So you definitely need someone, um, a leader that's going to pour into you. And I've been fortunate enough to have leaders at Youth Villages who, you know, um, train and develop me to do this work. So you had this perception or you're skeptical of Youth Villages at the start and now Sounds like you've recruited a lot of people. Oh yeah, and you you're all in. Oh yeah. What I'm, changed your mind? Just your experience? Yeah, just just the work. Like um, like we still have those same type of kids admitting. Like the same kids I was scared of, um, the same population I, I didn't want to work with. We still have those same kids admitting. But if you can find that love and that good in those kids, and you can build that relationship and rapport with those kids, they'll never run away another day in their life. And so, my attitude has changed and my heart and my mindset has changed. It's not the kids that's changing. So, um, you, like I said, it, it's on you. The change is on you to do, to, you know, fix the problem. What does it feel like now up to this point, given the, the arc, the trajectory of how things have evolved, given to what we talked about earlier in high school and, and what you're doing each day and the difference you're making? It feels good. Um, like when I, when I think about how, how far 2008 was ago. Like, I, I think about the different development that has, you know, took place over over that time. Like, not only career-wise, but I, I've grown as a man. So that's one thing. Youth Villages has helped me both on the job and off the job, you know. And so just developing me from um, an overnight teacher counselor to a director of operations, but also a young man fresh out of college, fresh out of undergrad to a more seasoned man now. I don't want to say old, but <laughs> my body says otherwise. But um, I've definitely uh, developed and grown uh, throughout the years, and I'm, I'm proud of uh, that growth. What do you m- most want for Youth Villages when you think about the next 5, 10, mm. 15 years? You know, I <laughs> we have a dynamic visionary in place as our <laughs> CEO. And so when I got the call um, almost two years ago now, about a year and eight months ago, about Memphis Allies, I didn't even think this was on the radar. And so for me to say what's on Youth Village's mind in five years, I, I, I'm i sure it'll blow my mind some more. I, I know we are going to continue to try to bridge the gap in services being provided and do our best to make um, successful outcomes um, while serving and helping children and families live successfully. So what you're saying is you're just doing the work. That's all. And you just want to have the relationships and you want people's lives changed. Absolutely. And you're just, you want to go however you can go, but you're just grinding it out. Put me on the front line. Sign me up. I'm ready to go. I hear you. Last question I got. 
from a city standpoint, from a, you know, all the just the different relationships with Memphis allies now mm-hmm. and the responsibility, the goal, the publicity, why are you and Memphis allies uniquely positioned to create the most effective change with these issues? Because I, I would say there, there's a lot of great work being done throughout the city. You know, try, everybody's trying to do a little bit in, um, you know, reducing the gun violence in the city of Memphis. What makes Youth Villages and Memphis Allies unique is that we don't have to operate on term-based approach. So in four years or eight years or two years when people are voting for different people to do this and head this initiative, we don't have to worry about that. And so I think that's what makes us unique. No matter who's in office, no matter who's doing this, Memphis Allies can get the work done. And that's what um, building those relationships with with some of those people is going to be great, but we don't have to, you know, get voted to do this work. So for me to maybe say back to you what I felt like I heard from you, going back to what you said about relationships and consistency, that can't change. Mm -hmm. So different people come into office, priorities and agendas can change. But if this is for actually the well-being and the good of the community and of each person there in the community, you know, that's going to go on for an indefinite period of time. No matter who's in office. And so we're similar to Youth Village's approach on putting the child first. That drives everything else. This is putting the person first. Absolutely. And you're going to be focused on them, you know, regardless who comes and goes. Yes, sir. And you're saying that's the only way that things can truly change. It's got to be the way. That's it. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a privilege to be with you. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me. From Youth Villages, I'd like to say thank you for listening to this episode of Stronger Than You Think. And thank you, Carl Davis, for sharing your story with us. For more information about careers with Youth Villages, visit www.youthvillages.org. That's youthvillages.org. We have also included resources in the show notes where you can find out more information about our programs. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to support the show, the best thing you can do is recommend it to a friend. Maybe share it with someone who you think might need it right now or is looking for their next career move. On behalf of Youth Villages, my name is Sam Coates, and I'm reminding you that you are stronger than you think. Before we go, here's a sneak peek at what's to come on our next episode with Youth Village's own Latoria Jenkins. We'll see you back here then. Those are my kids, you know what I mean? And these kids are going to become your kids as well. And so it can't be about anything else except for those souls that we're managing at the time, those souls that are on your team at the time that you're going to work with because being able to humanize what we do I think is the gift.